we figured out that all of us had a trust issue. And then we started researching how big the trust issue was. A trust issue in as much as you're not confident that if you donate money to a certain cause, it will actually end up going to that cause. Exactly. As you can tell from the intro, we are talking to EnlightAid, a business who are trying to tackle the idea that the money that we donate to good causes doesn't necessarily end up there. This is Tech Talks, the twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we interview leaders across the industry, exploring the issues that they face and try and bring you a bit of technology news. So whether you're interested in what your peers have to say or you're just interested in technology generally, this is the podcast for you. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Jack Pierce in the studio. In the flesh. It sounds like, it feels like, not sounds like, but it feels like a studio because of the, the lovely new mics. The lovely new mic, the mood lighting we have in the room. Just for you, Jack. Uh, thank you. It's gorgeously <laughs> lit. And then um, this lovely mural from Haymarket on the wall there. It's, uh, yeah, it's feeling like a studio, even if it isn't one. So, uh, this is the last podcast before I run up a mountain. We've been going on about it for some time, but this, this is it. Yeah. It's in three days. I've checked your Strava. You look like you're doing well. My knee really hurt when I ran last weekend, uh, but because I didn't stretch it, because uh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> what, do you, what do you expect, man? You, I woke up first week and just went for a run. You didn't even let your body wake up, man. Do you have a banana? No. Oh, div. Anyway, um, I put out on LinkedIn today that I was looking for some suggestions for my running playlist. Jack, yes. I know that you are a huge music fan. Itching. Come on. I mean, I, I curated one for the half marathon that we partook in. Um, yeah. And I mean, some big ones that stick out for me on here would be Sabotage, Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah got that. You got that Ghetto Music by Outcast. For anyone who used to play the old NBA games, that was on there. Right, um, okay. Fantastic. A couple of killer songs. Then a bit of cheese, Rockstar, Nickelback. That will get you smiling. Rock and Roll, like Noise Pollution, ACDC, ABBA, SOS. And oh, SOS I might need. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. When I'm halfway up the mountain going... I want to die. SOS. Exactly. I, my my favourite suggestion that's come through so far was from Hazel Duthie, who suggested that when I get to the top, mm. I play Elton John. I'm still standing. Oh, that's a sweet one. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Always, you've got to have Rocky in there as well. Highway to Hell, Rocky. You want big riffs taking Absolutely. you up the up the mountainside. I say like I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, providing I don't die. I'll yes. be back with you next week. Um, but before we get to that, let's have today's interview. Um, and our guest is uh, Vero Veronica Vergara, who um, is Chilean. 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 Just, is that pronunciation? I thought you I were giving know, me get proper pronunciation. Talk sport on it. Did you see that on Talk Sport? No. They're like, say the name I was meant to be said in English, like true gammon racists that everyone is on Talk Sport. But no, I think your pronunciation was fine. I mean, I don't Ooh. know Vergara. Oh, okay, cool. You're Chilean. Me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, so she's the CEO and founder of EnlightAid, a uh, really cool business. You're about to find out why. Uh, afterwards, myself and Jack will have some comment, and then later in the show, a little bit of technology news. So today we're talking to Veronica. Veronica, you are the CEO of EnlightAid. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How about yourself? Yes, good. You've flown all the way across from Peru. Actually, uh... Chile. Peru. I'm from Chile. You're from Chile. I currently live in Germany. Ah, I thought the business was being built out in 
Chile. It's both in Norway and in Chile, actually. Chile. I don't know why where I got Peru from. Shows how awful a host I am because I should have been paying more attention. <laughs> so, I do remember that it was Norway. <laughs> we met at, uh, at VivaTech anyway in Paris. Yes. And you were talking about your journey to becoming a tech entrepreneur whilst you were out there. Uh, how many days are you in the UK for? Uh, right now, three, four. Three, four. And working on some exciting stuff that you can't really tell us a huge amount about, but very exciting for the business. Yes, I can tell you like a little bit, uh, not not too much in detail, but it's going to be awesome. Well, you're a new, you're a, you're a newish business, so if we rewind slightly, what do Enlightaid do? We uh, created transparency technology for social and environmental projects. So I don't know how how in depth you want me to go, but um, the long story short, we wanted to do about three years ago an NGO to build schools in Chile. Yeah. And when we put the team together, we realized that neither of us donated. And the thing is, we're not all Latin Americans. Mm-hmm. Half of us are from Chile. Half of us are from Norway. We have 25 years of age difference. We come from different careers, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic realities. We had on paper absolutely nothing in common, nothing. And even though we had nothing in common, neither of us, of us donated. So we started um, researching a little bit of, or and analyzing first why we didn't donate it. We figured out that all of us had a trust issue. And then we started researching how the trust issue was. A trust issue in as much as you're not confident that if you donate money to a certain cause, it will actually end up going to that cause. Exactly. Yes. Do you, you often hear stories in the press of how corrupt money, you know, money going to a certain African country doesn't end up going to the people that you want it to. It goes into the, into the coffers of a, of a corrupt government. Is, is that perception? Is that reality? Is, you know, I think the trickiest part is that we don't really know. Yeah. The official number, uh, which was uh, said in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, by the UN, is that 30% of what we globally donate mm. goes to corruption. That being said, there is no global consolidated statistics on what we donate as a global community. Mm. So nobody knows. Nobody knows how much money is going. Nobody knows how much money obviously ends up in corruption. How did the business idea come about? Because, I mean, obviously, Chile and Norway are not exactly next door to each other. (laughs) Well, uh, since the idea was originally to have the NGO, um, Mm. and it was my idea, so the NGO was just like, I wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. And I had worked before in Canada, where I had met a friend from Norway, and we had stayed in touch over the years. And when I, when I came up with the idea of the NGO, I was like, well, in Chile, we have no money. I have I don't come from a family of money or had any network that could resemble any access to any funds of any kind. And I was like, well, Norway, richest country in the world. Picked up the phone, called my friend. Hey, I have this idea. Why don't you help me out? Hmm. And he just said, yes. And that's how it started. And it was still then an NGO though. So where's the tech angle in this? Because there's a platform, obviously, to to make this whole thing more transparent. But how? Yes. So um, the idea evolved from the NGO into building one transparent NGO that would be everything online. So we would record all of our expenses mm-hmm. online and they would be available to anybody. 
And we presented this concept at a conference called Oslo Freedom Forum. Yeah. And then we had at that point one video, business cards and a flyer. No NGO, no company, no tech, nothing. We were just like, we want to do this. Mm. And a bunch of NGOs came up to us asking if they could use the same software that we were using to make their work transparent. And we were like, well, it doesn't really exist, but yes, we'll create it. Uh, I would, sorry to jump in, I would imagine that this is kind of perfectly set up for something like a, a digital ledger of some kind. Yes. Because you then have that provenance piece built into it, right? Yes. Yes and no. So you have the, for example, if, you, if we take a blockchain such mm. as Ethereum, you have the trade of Ether in that case built into the network. However, using that um, in a developed region, in a developing region, is not as easy as it sounds. Mm. Also, it might be very, very well um, restricted because a lot of governments are um, afraid of this. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did is sort of a hybrid. We um, we integrated, in theory, with a blockchain, uh, with the, with Ethereum, but we we created a system within uh, Drupal 8 mm -hmm. to, to merge commercially used payment mechanisms. That's how it all started um, with some issues yep. <laughs> in application. And that's why we, are, we decided to fast forward our, um, our launch for the, the Arbia because we're changing a little bit how we deal with the, with the funds. Um, but initially we just partnered with payment mechanisms that were we felt or we after our research we found that they were like broadly used mm -hmm. right um they're not as broadly used as you as you would think but um it was the, the best that we had at the time so as i understand it people can go onto the website and they can see featured campaigns so having a look at your website right now the top one being sierra leone aid project 2.0 so people can go on they can donate to various different causes that they identify with with full knowledge that those funds will go to those projects, right? Yes. How do you select the projects? So we have partnered with, we started partnering with organizations that we knew. Mm -hmm. um, so, so far we have 15 organizations that range from world-renowned NGOs, such as World Wildlife Fund is there with a project yep. in Madagascar, or Debrodejo, which is a local NGO in Chile working for uh, cruelty-free um, products. So very, very uh, different things. So we re we got to them basically through our network yeah. initially in a very naive way. Um, and we are actually changing how the system works right now. So what you see today on the website of Lightade is not really how it's going to work in the next two months. Hey, iterations like, you know, that's part yeah. and parcel of the startup journey, right? Of course. Uh, it's we, we couldn't be happier of how much we've learned with this. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that we learned that is really important is that um, we focused first on projects, but that means that um, the process is really long. Mm -hmm. So a, a campaign can take months to be to raise all the funds that they need to actually do the project. Uh, and that means that by the time that they start spending, the donor has forgotten that they ever donated. Wow. So even though they donated and they get all the receipts and they get the notifications of when their money was spent and so on and so forth, it's still a little bit too far. 
So we, we did like a second, we kind of pivoted a little bit and what we're doing now um, has uh, more to do with funding the operation, the ongoing operations of an NGO or a foundation or a social business. Ideally for me, it would be only social businesses, but we're not there yet. So moving back to Enlighted, so what we're doing now is that you, if you donate, you donate to one um, organization. Mm. So that means that you can donate either once or as a monthly thing, but the, but the donation is available immediately to that uh, organization and they can use it as they see fit. We've spoken about some of the projects that people can, can donate to. Just, just curious. We, we had a, a company called LabStep on the show a little while ago and they were talking about non-reproducibility of experiments in labs. And I had no idea that basically half of all the money that goes into lab experiments is lost because scientific uh, results can't be reproduced. had no idea that existed. Obviously, you're talking about transparency within aid. How big is the market? How much money is being lost to corruption roughly? Do we have any kind of grasp on that? Well, yes, yes and no. So then um, there is no global consolidated statistics, as mm. I think I've said before. Yeah. That being said, uh, there are six countries who do have a public um, amount of money that they donate, which are the States, the UK, China, Russia, Australia, and Switzerland. Among those six countries, uh, per year, they contribute about uh, $560 billion yeah. So that means that about $168 billion are lost to corruption every year. And what could we do with that? Um, I, I just for the fun of it, because I hate those like uh, abstract numbers, like I can't imagine anything with them. Mm-hmm. So I was looking the other day for how much is it does it cost to feed everybody who's hungry in the world. And the cost that the UN has published is $116 billion. So if we were to capture corruption from those six countries alone, those 168 billion, we could solve world hunger and still have over 40 billion to do other projects. Crazy. It's huge. So look, you mentioned at the beginning of this that this was kind of kick-started by a desire to maybe build schools in Chile. And you're an architect by background. So when you talk about yes. build schools in Chile, do you mean physically build schools in Chile? Yes. So Quite literally. Yeah. So where, where was... Had you ever planned, obviously, I'd imagine probably not, but had you ever planned the, the let's move into technology? Did it, is it a happy accident? <laughs> yes, I, I always say that I'm a tech entrepreneur by accident. Yeah. I had never heard of blockchain before. I had never seen a div in my life. I mm-hmm. didn't know what HTML or CSS or Java or whatever it was until like two years ago. Do you think, do you think that's been, a, whilst it's obviously been a steep learning curve, Do you think that's held you back at all? Or do you think it's actually been a a positive that you've gone into it with a fairly open mind, I suppose? I think it's both. I think I, like, and and yes, you said open mind, I feel I'm a little bit fearless. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to my CTO about the tools that we're building, he usually answers back with like, that can't be done. And then like he go he goes around like the the morning after and he's like yeah this might work and like two three days after he's like this is going to be great, but um, he sees all the little pieces to build something yeah um, and how long it's going to take and that is complicated and hard and we no, nobody really wants to do hard who wants to do hard 
no worry, we want everything easy and, and beautiful and fun. Um, but uh, I think that the fact that I come from a different industry has allowed me to have like to have no boundaries. Yeah. I have no fears in terms of what can can or can't be done. I'm like, I see this, I see that, we can definitely trace the line between those two points. The fact that nobody has done it before, I don't care. It's just like, I didn't know that it existed before anyway, so of course it can be done. Obviously, there you're, you're painting a, a positive outlook on tech and, and that's fantastic, but I think it would be um, wrong of me possibly to ignore some of the stuff that you told me in, in, in Paris around the idea that your co-founder is a male and he's quite a bit older, right? 20, 25 years older than you? Yep, 25 And you've gone into plenty of meetings where people have assumed that you are the PA, the secretary, not the co-founder. Yes. How, how, how have you found that? Um, well, people will only speak to him. Yeah. Um, people will say like things like, oh, aren't you cute? Or things like that, especially like now that I have a lot more gray hair, not so much, huh? But <laughs> nothing wrong with gray hair. <laughs> hey, I wear it with pride. Okay. Right. Um, but a year ago, two years ago, I was like, "Oh, aren't you sweet? Like, do you want to go like see this thing?" I'm, I'm like, "Hello, is this is isn't this a meeting? Like, aren't we professionals? Are we talking yeah. about something serious? Like, not about like." How cute my dress is, or oh, those are so nice shoes. No, sorry, you've worked in, in Norway, in Chile, in Canada, in Germany, in UK. I know not in all of those countries under this current guise, but has that been something that's fairly universal? What do you mean? That that attitude, that kind of assumption that you are not the co-founder. Have you found that there are some countries that are a little bit more open-minded? I suppose. Well, I think so far Norway is probably the most open-minded. Well, my experience in Chile so far has been really good um, with Enlightened, but also because I've already come back as a founder. So it's not that it was born from Chile. Maybe my experience would be a little bit different. Um, And also the times that I've been back with Enlightened have been particularly successful yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, for example last year I, I I went back to Chile but because I was selected for Enlighted as one of the most innovative founders of Latin America and the Caribbean so it, it was it was kind of like a very like I can't really compare it mm-hmm. because everybody already knew that I was a woman and I was coming from the outside but I think if I can if I compare so my my background in architecture which was in Chile mostly, with what I'm doing now, I think probably Norway or Europe in general is a lot easier to navigate okay. than Latin America. And just out of interest, as a, as a last point, um, you've gone through this journey now. If you were talking to someone outside of the technology industry from a minority group, that might not be gender related, but another minority group, what would you say to them? I think... One thing that we have to sort of make peace with is the fact that as minorities, we have to be 10 times more prepared, just the way it is. So if you're going to dwell on it, well, like you're just going to waste your time. So yeah. I think if, if I had something to say to somebody coming from a, from a similar position, I would say just just like accept it faster than I did and go, go on with your life. You're going to do great. Well, look, thank you for spending some time. I know that you've got a packed schedule whilst you're over here, so thanks for talking to us. It's lovely to see you, and uh, 
good luck with all the stuff that you've got coming up that maybe by the time we publish this we can talk a, a little bit further around we'll see probably well thank you it's a pleasure to be here I don't know whether the fact that she is Chilean <laughs> puts a different perspective on this for her because Latin America is part of the developing world as opposed to, say, us sitting here in, in Blighty and it being the developed world. Yeah. Uh, if I kind of think of fundraising in Britain, you kind of mm. give money and you hope that it goes to a good cause. Blindly, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas I suppose... You may well see the effects of that money maybe a little bit more close to home in Latin America. Yeah, I mean, I guess the example being that, you know, she was there ready to, to build the school and stuff like that. You know, I suppose it it could be a fact that because that trust might not be there, that people muck in a bit more and actually get their hands. Rather than, you know, me and you sending 20 quid off or whatever and not really doing anything, you know, in Chile, yeah. it might be more common practice to, to, to get stuck in. I mean, there is that thing, right? We we were watching Band Aid. Uh, no, sorry, Live Aid, rather. The Live Aid concert from 1985 on mm. YouTube at the weekend. Okay. And someone, I can't remember who, but one of our friends made the comment, and yet everyone is still starving in Africa. Like, sure. a generation later, all of that... Wasn't that endeavor, AIDS, though? That has, no, no, it was no? famine. Okay. All of that um, endeavour mm. to feed the world. Yeah. And yet... We're no further forward, and that's why they had to do so, Band Aid two and Band Aid three, right? Yeah. That's why you got so, dizzy. So many millions it. and billions given, and yet it hasn't fixed the problem. Yeah. And I guess that is the catalyst for, for for the reason that you would have a business like in Light Aid. I mean, how is Bob Geldof still relevant? Probably because he's living off that pay packet. <laughs> I'm not. Yes, Bob, Bob Geldof. It's interesting. People not not a big fan of Bob Geldof in the room. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but I mean, I think like like Veronica says, you know, she, she does the math. She she breaks it down. Of the 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 semi spurious thirty percent goes to corruption figure from the UN. You know, that could be one hundred and sixteen billion, one hundred sixty eight billion dollars, mm-hmm. and it would cost one hundred sixteen billion dollars to end world food hunger. So yeah. that kind of maths when it's laid out like that is clear whereas what we don't see is where every pound goes you know our, of course the CEOs and people in charge of Oxfam stuff like that are probably Rolls Royces but mm. people still need to get paid you know we always talk about social purpose and profit of purpose but yeah. I think a lot of charities have big charities like any big brand have become less and less trustworthy I like the application or the potential application of blockchain in this mm-hmm. because I'm not saying that it's the only option that you have like you know I'm sure that you could run this without necessarily using Mm. blockchain but it does give you that wonderful provenance transparency and even you could you could argue that in some developing countries say in Africa Mm. I've heard cases where token currencies are Mm. more effective than giving cash to someone because cash when you cross the borders we we had this well yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. but equally if um, money is given to a young mother Mm -hmm. it's often taken off her Mm -hmm. by the father and spent in ways that it shouldn't be but with a token based currency that could equally be used to try and address that issue. So there's a wonderful application at all stages here how blockchain could really help transparency and make this process work. It really reminded me, again, I harp on about it all the time, is this TV program, Silicon Valley. You know, they have this light bulb moment when they're about to enter enter series two of VC funding and they pivot and divert to blockchain simply because... I I can't listen to anyone say that word, by the way, without Ross. Pivot! Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, but they do this because... (laughs) 
out of the pure simplicity that it makes sense for a tech company or you know a profit with purpose business yeah. to, to do that because of the protection because of the freedom and things like that so it kind of yeah like a hand in glove almost it, it makes sense for them to be using blockchain ethereum to now how disgraceful is it that people assume that Vero is the PA and not the co-founder I grimaced from cheek to cheek or from jawline to jawline if you could imagine when I heard that because it the worst part of it all, Dave, was that I wasn't surprised. You know, as I'm sure you were when when, when Vera said this to you. Um, well, we know we know the anecdotal mm. tales that we hear over and over again of how the VC community treats mm. female founders. It's, so yeah, it's it's disgusting, but it's unsurprising. And that's pro- awful. That it's it is blindly awful, and I can't believe that in this day and age people do still think like that. But I wonder, and it it might have been a question for Vero. You know, did did having a senior man with you help you through that funding? Or I trust that she'd be able to smash it on her own. But, you know, that kind of... I, I forget now that uh, the the guest we had on, but a similar situation happened where, you know, having an experienced VC bloke with her helped her. But, yep. you know, that that initial prejudice there is, is flabbergasting. Any other points you wanted to pick up on? Yeah, one point. Vera said, uh, we want everything easy, beautiful, and fun. And I can't help but resonate with that mantra. That sounds like you, Jack. Exactly. That is me on, um, uh, you know, four years ago after a few Proseccos, easy, beautiful, and fun. <laughs> if Rosie's listening, that's not me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a very cold holiday. <laughs> right, look, um, Veronica, thank you very much for specifically coming to the UK to be on Tech Talks. I can't believe that. The polling no, power we have, Dave. No, <laughs> no uh, really, honestly, amazing for you to come on the show and share what Enlighte are doing. Really meaningful uh, mission and purpose behind that business. We will include um, a link to uh, the business in the show notes so you can have a look at some of the projects that they have selected and might well be supporting and see whether there's something that you want to get involved with too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with some technology news. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Right, quick bit of, of news to wrap the week up on. Good news as well, right? Ah, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, this won't take us long at all. Uh, YouTube fined $170 million for collecting children's personal data. The FTC has fined Google $136 million and the company will pay an additional $34 million to New York State to resolve similar allegations. Basically, the claim is that they've collected children's personal data without their parents' consent. Which is a criminal. Yes. And a hundred and however many million dollars that is, isn't going to do anything. I mean, we hope they're ceasing this now, sure. But I mean, I can just see there, you know, they've got YouTube kids. Yeah. Is that, has that been targeted? And so YouTube or? has its own app for children called YouTube Kids. The company also launched a website version of the service in August. The site says it requires parental consent and uses simple math problems to ensure that kids aren't, uh, aren't signing in on their own. Uh, yeah, balls to that. Kids can figure out a way around it. 
Um, YouTube Kids does not target ads based on viewer interests the way YouTube proper does. Children's version does track information about what kids are watching in order to recommend videos. It also collects personally identifying device information. Yeah, that's what they're utilising the data for now. Yeah. What about in five years' time when these kids mature into adults and things like that? And you know, then that data comes back and is easy manipulable to these people again. I, it's harrowing that we're still hearing cases like this. And again, it's not surprising. What I find really interesting is that it's yet another article talking about the biggest ever fine levied at a big tech company. Mm. How many of these articles are we going to see without it seemingly making any impact or difference. The the article closes by saying the federal government has increased scrutiny of big tech companies in the last two years, especially questioning how the tech giants collect and use personal information from their billions of customers. Many of the huge Silicon Valley companies also uh, are also under antitrust investigations aimed at determining whether the companies have unlawfully stifled competition. But aside from a few wanky adverts on the tube <laughs> about we're your friends really from Facebook, yeah. I mean... Have you noticed? You know, have you noticed that these companies have been forced to change their behaviour? Honestly, no. Not in everyday use, not at all. Um, I mean, time will tell if that you know committee sitting alongside Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook will stop him being a miscreant, and time will tell if you know other big companies are selling children's data on in it. You know, but I mean, the last the last paragraph, the last paragraph is really dark. YouTube has faced a number of child safety issues this year. In one case, comments that paedophiles left, um, left on innocuous family videos of kids pushed uh, YouTube to turn off comments and nearly all videos featuring kids. Like, they have issues. They have repeatedly had issues. Mm. And yet, whilst... I don't know, it, just feels, it, just, it just feels piecemeal. Like $136 million. Yeah, it's a massive fine. But to a company like, to a company like Google, effectively... Uh, yeah, Alphabet. Yeah, Alphabet, yeah. it's... Bugger all. And what, what, what are the pedos doing in the comments? I thought the whole thing about them was to be operating in the shadows. Well, I guess they're anonymous profiles. Freaks. Um, but YouTube needs to do more, as every social media platform does. As every big tech company needs to do. But equally, if you are going to fine and if you are going to regulate, mm. you need to have some teeth. And I just, this says to me that they still don't have teeth. No, it's, it's whimsical. It is, it's, it's not going to touch them at all. Anyway, if anyone's got any ideas about how we can actually effectively regulate big tech, we're all ears because we're just a, a, a bunch of but amateur moaners in a, I, in, a, in a studio. I'm doing air quotes. Um, I'm not forfeiting going onto YouTube, though. That's a huge source of my daily entertainment. Oh, yeah. Our show, so, our show will be on YouTube in a couple yeah. of weeks' time. Uh, tune in for the tech, for, yeah. for the talk shop. So can you uh, circumnavigate <laughs> that? No, but look, yeah. ser- seriously, that does... Whilst yeah. we want to be able to use these platforms, we should be able to use them safely and they should be regulated. I, th- I, I don't think that you should be um, told that you're somehow immoral for wanting to use these platforms. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not hypocritical to say that they should equally be regulated. No, it's moral to say that. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I've got to go run up a mountain. You've got to go to America. Yes, San Francisco, baby. Have fun. Yes, I will. And thank you for your song recommendations. No worries. Don't die, please. I'll try not to. Yeah. And good luck, I guess. Oh, yeah, sponsor me, folks. Yes, I need to do that, actually. As a kind co-host, should. <laughs>